Hi, this is Coffee Crigo for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. This is Talking Hands, Talking Feet, number 11, I believe. And I was thinking um, early this morning, I didn't record Don Chorus, uh, a good theme that's related to what I'm working on that'll most likely be new to one and all, regardless of your background, poet, musician, dancer, philosopher, or just a general vagrant like me, that uh, um, it's called uh, the concrete abstraction cycle. So this is one of those meta-concepts, higher-level concepts, so it um, is a wider circle than either talking hands, talking feet, as a practice, and the 12 primary concepts in understanding the shape of change. So <clears throat> it doesn't... Uh, you can think of it that way. It uh, uh, stands above. But notice, why did I hesitate? Because when we think of um, elevation, well, gee, that's a, I live, sleep, and eat elevation up here. Uh, but not hierarchical. We can have hierarchy <laughs> in the circle and the square. But we have that uh, new uh, meta-concept. Perhaps you can sense where I'm going with this. Just having the meta-concept of meta-concept is important enough. <laughs> They're wider circle uh, concepts. Like when you talk about, um, let's think about um, the 12 uh, primary concepts, like uh, difference, complementarity, qualitative ground. Those are all very big, very uh, important concepts. You could spend many lifetimes and hopefully people in the future will exploring and discovering and working out, figuring out all this stuff. How it relates to the arts and to the universe and to our own beings. But then you have uh, density, directionality, and uh, you have this conundrum in Western languages of... Um, Say, like, if simplicity doesn't exist in itself and complexity doesn't exist in itself, what do you have? You have a simplicity-complexity cycle. Why? Well, at the intellectual abstract level, they're obviously co-relative categories we say in philosophy. They're, they have 
uh, arrows of definition uh, pointing at each other. We can't understand simplicity if we don't have complexity and vice versa. So, uh, but it's much deeper than that. That's good. That's hard for uh, uh, people of the current culture to even wrap their head around that. Um, but we're looking for something um, broader and deeper that usually means that it's generative. Yesterday we were talking about listening, listening to listening. Well, that's a primary thing that um, will help us listen in a new way, is having very powerful general uh, ways of looking like that. And But notice we have two words for one thing. It's like uh, um, engender we have man and woman. Well, how do you say both, man, woman? And in our language, you have uh, inherent, because of that uh, um, bifurcated structure, an inherent bias. So he, like I say, the bird is singing. Well, I do know the work of uh, avian song specialists. That's not myself. I love and record them, but I'm not a specialist. Sometimes I wish I were, but um, insist that a great deal of what we hear around us is also the females singing. And uh, in some species, I'm more than willing to accept that. Like bluebirds, they always sing in uh, duets. And uh, I can't tell the genders at a distance, or even close up, to be honest, of uh, the great Clark's nutcrackers. And they're always singing back and forth. And I've noticed that my bias, like I'll say, uh, <clears throat> I talk to birds. <laughs> And um, it's very hot right now. That means it's like 7, 8, almost up to 10 centigrade uh, too warm. We're going to get up almost into 30, 30 C, what is that, 86 Fahrenheit or something more. And... Um, um, So it's almost too hot to sit here, and it's only 8.30 NT, natural time. Well, there's no morning dew. wasn't even at 4 o'clock in the morning. So it's extremely dry. But to, when a chipping sparrow appears, I always say, oh, there's Mr. Chipping. Well, I do believe in all seriousness that, that it's a male. and um, And I do believe... Uh, in gender, in human terms, gender equality, but not universal, one-size-fits-all sexuality. So I have a lot of um, things to say and uh, beliefs and ideas about the yin-yang of human uh, energy as it manifests in both man and woman, but also the relationships of the gender and that's another of the primary confusions of the present era in Western culture. And I don't want to go into that right now. But there is a, um, a dialogue tape 
in the primary concepts. I can't remember which number, but you could find it. It has the, the famous Taoist uh, yin-yang um, cycle. See, we say yin-yang. As other languages, uh, I don't... Um, I'm studying a little Chinese, but uh, I doubt... Inspire me. <laughs> I would love to really devote myself to it. But um, other languages may very well have seen this thousands of years ago, that it's a very debilitating bias to always say uh, the hierarchy. When we think of hierarchy in Western culture, we always think of, think of old white men, usually generals or presidents or bank presidents, up at the top of the pyramid of control. And that's a key feature of our culture. And it shouldn't be there. It's utterly unethical. And it's incredibly destructive. So it's an interesting ethical question because these old white men um, up at the top of the pyramid of control, like on the back of our frequently quoted not-so-great seal on the not-great-so-dollar bill, Well, the ethical question, what to do when when the world is being destroyed by that violence? Well, that's what talking hands, talking feet is about, because we say that violence is not out there. I'm pointing at Heartbreak Meadow. Now we're totally snow-free, so... Our dominant qualitative ground is the energy of green. Hildegard von Bingen. Frequently Viriditas. But I think what she, it's green, the power which, the energy which manifests in life spirit. Like there's that hierarchy of the most extreme samples. It's always good to find an extreme example. We're going to be coming back to talking hands, talking feet. But it's like... uh, We come into the circle and we're just uh, kidding around and throwing out ideas. And then we get uh, serious and then we get too serious and then it's time for fun and anecdotes and we stop. So, that Viriditas, there's a wonderful one of her, what, 49 existing notated compositions. We have no idea how they actually sang were sung, a strong verb, Old English, sing, sing, song. And, but it's magnificent. And I hope uh, to do a version of it this summer, using it for a piece I'm working on. So the power of living green It's the um, 
I have a photo from the Alps. And it's of a Poynton native there. Here they're not native, but are naturalized, so becoming native. Kind of like uh, me to this place. And um, it's growing right through freshly renewed asphalt on a mountain road. And in the distance, you see this vehicle slightly uh, uh, beyond the depth of field. So it has a wonderful bouquet that in the old days, at least, and I still think you can only get with Nikon uh, 50 millimeter lenses. And it's that power. That is the power of creativity. It's the widest circle we resonate with in the universe. So, that's the problem that we should be cognizant of. So that simplicity, complexity, I call that, that's an easy one, because we can call it simplexity. Do you like that? So you're always saying both at the same time. But how do you do that for low and high density? That's a cycle, you see. So that becomes cumbersome. And how do you do that for constant uh, variable? You see, that's a cycle. It's not just a thing. And how do you do that for directionality? Directionless, floating, neutral, to hyperdirection, like an arrow to a target? That's a cycle. So we have all that language is very cumbersome. But when we deeply naturalize ourselves in that language, while at the same time listening to listening, how it's shaping our perception and how it is shaping our creativity. You see, you practice these things and then when you're actually doing a, perfect, uh, a piece, composing, in my view, is performing. So you prepare for it, and sometimes for days for doing nothing, like the ancient ritual of yoga purification, for days. And um, you're always hoping that the muse will somehow come back. And... Um, if you're in peak, what's the best word, condition, then bam, you just have it. And that requires uh, devotion. You know, the three Ds, determination, diligence, and devotion. And um, it's a life way. It's why I'm here, for example, at the foot of wilderness in, at Heartbreak Meadow right now or going up higher a full vertical kilometer back up into the um, Clark's Nutcrackers in Whitebark Pines in snow. But I enjoy being here, even though it's too warm, um, because there's so much photography work that needs to be done. And so I'm that uh, is like a discipline, right? So... Uh, all winter long, I haven't been doing much, so just to get all the equipment working again, get all the solar charging, it's a, it's a lot of work. 
and uh, up here we're doing um, the simplify, simplify, so it's as simple as possible, so that you can move very, very quickly. And your technique has to be perfect, but you have to practice, 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 practice. Um, but that also goes for uh, composing. And that's what Talking Hands, Talking Feet is about. So it's 8.30, and I already have hours of practice <laughs> behind me. So I'm, I'm kind of just chilling out. Give me a cigarette and a beer. Not quite. Um, so I've already done the really hard stuff for, you know, that you have to really focus your energy. It's way too hot for that now. Imagine that. It's May the 10th. Sunday, 2020. Calling out of love to all the mothers around. You see, I don't like these North American bi holidays, but I'll do it anyway. So, concrete abstraction cycle. Pretty ugly, isn't it? But it's a very, uh, we'll find a better name, eventually, or perhaps you will. And, but it's very important. And notice our key point of departure as meditation when we're looking at this, both individually, collectively, culturally, and looking out around the world, is that Fragmentation, as we know, is everywhere. That's always bad. So you're uh, smashing wholeness. Now, does an invasive species do that when it suddenly emerges here? Yes. But there are exceptions. So to know what... uh, I was just talking about plankton. Well, there are two species of plankton which have thoroughly naturalized and become a part of the web of life here, which is, um, you would never think they would be invasive. And why? It's just like a person. It's not that, when you get, (laughs) say you're in a cafe with, or um, a dialogue circle with 10 people, when you get one, uh, uh, we've talked about that before, belligerently ignorant bully, We're in an era where the people who are at the top of that pyramid are by and large, if they're political, they're belligerent, ignorant bullies. And if they're above them pulling the strings, those belligerent bullies are uh, merely puppets. They have no, they don't even have ideology. Like they're saying, it only takes one bad eye idea to destroy the world, like Ayn Rand. But they don't even have that. The only thing they have is the lust for power and control. So it's become basically like a gun. No ideology. It doesn't matter what, just as long as they're in power and control. But above them in their pyramid of control, we can use pyramids, but don't forget we have this concept that's going to be changed. So you've got to be flexible, right? That poster is going to be changed. The top 
uh, uh, triangle is was originally a continuous discrete oligarchy, that's the word I was looking for, in somatic concept, a somatic constant. And that's going to be changed now to uh, peri... Uh, oh, no, no, I didn't rehearse it. Peri- aperiodic, is that a word? See, it's a, a cycle, a periodic to aperiodic. That's not quite the same as constant variable. And then we get our continuous discrete that stays. And notice it's the same problem. That's one thing. It's one movement, but we have two words. And um, just the fact that we have those two words, it makes fragmentation uh, easy. And once you have fragmentation, you get the pyramid of control. Well, they probably happen at the same time, most of the time. And that's always bad because it's violent. It's domination and control. And so you have pure aperiodic, continuous discrete, Don't forget we're talking about the shape of change of anything. Weather, music, dance, poetry, mathematics. That's what calculus is about. And why uh, so-called or, you know, differential equations um, can be so difficult. And that's like Chinese. <laughs> I wish I could be giving all my energy to that, but you can only do so much. But it helps when they all resonate together because you get a sense of what it's about. And when you really need it, you can focus your energy or get somebody else to help you. And then at the top, notice that's <laughs> without any um, value judgment. It's just moving around like 11 o'clock is not better than 12 o'clock on the clock, right? And we're trying to free ourselves through awareness of all these innate biases, biases of language. So at the very top, so we have continuous discrete. You can make a whole career musically from continuous discrete. Iana said Senakis did a wonderful job with that. So did the early... Uh, uh, Pindareski. and uh, um, but we, we we're not going to talk about that. We're going to go right back to our concrete abstraction cycle. But the last one is lin, lin nonlinear. Lin non. That's not the same as um, what the world is having problems, especially those despicable demons, brothers and sisters who have gone wrong, that have assumed political power. They do not understand uh, 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64. And before you know it, the whole chessboard with only 64 places, is it? It just has more grains of rice 
than all the beach sand on planet Earth. They do not understand that. But you, you can't blame them. You can only blame us that we let them get away with it. But above the hierarchy, to finish that, is uh, the new style uh, billionaire class. Billionaires that just a decade ago had 50, in round numbers, don't try to be too precise, and now, a decade later, they have a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> out of thin air. <laughs> what Aristotle called uh, money, parenting money. It is the uh, paradigm, the shining example of unethical corruption. It should not be allowed. And then our political era system, era prefix, that's using what's called the rail mode, I pronounce it, not real, rail mode of David Bohm. So like irregular, how does that go? Constant um, irregular. That means not if you do that in symbolic logic. It's you draw that negative sign, dash, A, not A. Well, era politics is false politics, so it's not politics. <laughs> and that, uh, those, that billionaire class, like the wonderful Vandana Shiva has written and talked so brilliantly about, well, um, it's not an accident that they're all men, for the most part. Well, I guess Oprah has a lot of money, $3 billion. It's a lot of money. Um, but it, they're not going to help us uh, much. And um, let's get back to our... But they're the ones that are almost in control. And then there's a non-visible... Not deep state. I don't know what it is. I really don't. That's where my thought just stops. But um, what doesn't stop is your insistence on truth. So like all children and all philosophers, the whole point of philosophy is not legacy or anything, but is having a sense of whether what I am doing right here, right now, is grounded, resonating with truth. And that's just like I'm tuning my instrument, just like how I'm sitting here. So let's give this uh, another 30 minutes and we'll stop. So hit pause, take a break. And uh, it's getting a little bit too hot here but I want to persevere. So we have fragmentation and all these cycles. Everything in the circle and the square, that's one of its many meanings. The circle is the sacred, which is beyond thought and measure. And we're simply inviting it 
into the performance space. It's like a concert hall. That's the square. And if you notice, most of the really good concert halls in the world, when you're playing inside, not when you're playing outside, that's the Greek uh, amphitheater that we still do not understand. There are many acousticians trying to understand the resonance. And notice if they would have had uh, amplifiers and a microphone, that would have been the end of that great architecture because it, then it would just become mechanical. They were doing something amplifying in a totally natural resonance. But notice many concert halls are squares or double squares, rectangles, uh, even though the sound which is projecting is, is projecting out in circles. And that's how you experience it as a performer. And then it comes back to you. And that is a cycle. And that cycle will be broken when there's, what's the word? Echo. Resonance. You can't possibly play in a place without resonance. You can't play in tune. The sound is, as we say appropriately, dead. So all this fragmentation, complexity, abstraction. So let's let's go into that. And... Um, in the spirit of being open, honest, naked, with talking hands, talking feet, we have all these different uh, concepts, talking hands, talking feet. What's it about? It's about bringing performance fully into the soma. That's why we're moving that universal somatic concept out into the era, area of meta-concepts because it's so important. It's like you have that saying that's frequently understood, and it doesn't matter what it meant historically, but let's look at it right now, is that uh, man or woman, see, there's the problem. Man, woman is the problem. The human being is the measure of all things. And that's from someone that I'm up here taking the view I don't want to speak for any particular culture, but I want to speak for the circle of life. So when we talk about whether or not cows are good for whatever, um, I'm not going to uh, argue from legacy. I want to look at it from the whole of creatura. And that's a very serious thing. And obviously you're going to make mistakes that have returned. But the whole point of philosophy is that it is what? Self-correcting. Is politics self-correcting? No. Not in any way, shape, or form. Not even if you have elections. Because the elections themselves have been corrupted. Any system that's not self-correcting is deadly dangerous. Well, let's take a new classical music. Is that self-correcting? No. Think it through. Don't take my... How would you self-correct? Everything is blasted apart. You have expert performers in a great surfeit of virtuoso performers around the world, young and old. Two or three, four generations of fantastic performers. 
And I'm talking about, you know, in the tradition of Stravinsky, Varese, Luciano Berio. So if you don't know what that is, um, then uh, go just do some study to get an idea. It has nothing to do with Mozart, nothing to do with Beethoven, but it's a, it's a new kind of way of doing music. I'm just doing this very qu quickly. So concrete abstraction style, cycle, the blasting the parts of cycles, well, it's everywhere. So why is art not self-correcting? And how would it be? Well, the first thing we need is what we're doing right here, right now. Uh, philosophy. It only takes one bad idea to destroy a man or woman. Or you can say it only takes one bad idea to destroy a woman or man. You have to figure out what's the right balance. But then you compose and perform your own. And notice in contemporary German, you always do that. It's very cumbersome. <laughs> If you're in English, they'll always repeat to, like, uh, uh, dear listener and listeneresses. You always say that in German, so the listener would be masculine and the listeneress would be feminine. You do that with everything. And that's a very great, uh, wholesome change in the language. But notice they're not honoring the trees, <laughs> so, uh, or the grass, or the herbs, or the birds, so... What we're doing up here is something similar, but it's always implied. So we never begin with that two-gun culture. So when we're talking about criticism, we don't want to descend to the level of the New York Times, that you just have a critic out there. Every performer knows these people that hide behind newspapers and then come out and fart and burp and belch and say, this is good and that's bad, and are highly paid and whatnot. And they shouldn't be there. There should be a culture of uh, appreciation and education and um, spiritual excellence. Like the great uh, Democratic Socialist Party in Amsterdam and Holland used to have concerts. Maybe they still do every Saturday afternoon. And people would get on the train. These are workers, right? and come to Amsterdam to be enlightened by uh, Mahler and Beethoven. But ever since we've had these belligerent bullies take control, they're pretty close to that in Holland now too, privatization of everything, well, hell, we're not going to pay for that damn concertgebouw. <laughs> We want to go out and get some uh, ice cream and popcorn and go to the beach. So what would self-correction look like? Well, without philosophy, it's not possible. So you have to have very high standards. And I struggle with it uh, because I refuse just to lay down and let these false musics roll over me. And it's not so much for myself, because it doesn't affect me, but it certainly affects young, the young people I either work with or see around me. When I see a young person...
composing at the age of 19 or 20 that kind of totally, obviously, from a wider circle, spiritually, utterly dead and corrupt music and calling it sophisticated. Well, that's wrong. It's wrong not to stop that somehow. It's like you see somebody drinking gasoline. Says, don't you see what that's going to do to you? So the corruption of concrete, abstract concrete, uh, David Bohm talked about that too, is concrescence, that everything is grown together in an infinitely complex thing. So I'm looking at all, I'm sitting in a meadow, and uh, it has infinite complexity, but it's concrete because that meadow is right there in front of me. Now I'm not thinking about it, and philosophically, I say it exists and resonates with the ground of truth even when I'm gone. So it's there. We're not going to play false with the fancy ideas. It's there. And because of that infinite complexity, there are infinitely many facts possible. And that's the co-evolution, mutual generation, creation of the way of looking and that which is looked at. That's not a division, it's a dance. So that's the concrete. And when we begin to think about it, you see how this works, then we have the abstract. It becomes increasing. There's nothing wrong with abstract. But it's deadly. If it's divided from the concrete, which it is now. So that young composer, if they're just imitating notation that they see uh, wherever, doesn't matter, at the library, internet, wherever, they see all this black page stuff. And uh, they imitate that. In the old days, I had a lot of young people imitate my scores when they were still out there. And I, it would horrify me because I knew they had no sense of where it was coming from, what it was about, couldn't, he, you know, as you say, perform it, hear it inwardly in whatever shape or form. It's not coming from, it's utterly mechanical. So they will destroy themselves in doing that. So the teacher is the taught in dialogue. Well, the teacher says, stop. This is somehow, we've got to start over again. And he or she, so we're starting a new tradition, is uh, she or he, she, he. Um, let's start over again and look at this. The same thing, there's a tendency of abstraction. Of, uh, say you were interested in Senaki's formalized music. Well, that book is pure poison in a way. Um, he wasn't thinking that way at all. But I don't want to go into that. But don't take my word for it. Check it out from the library. I wouldn't recommend buying it. But that's a formalized, that's a highly abstract way of thinking about music. I've known many people who have destroyed themselves and never recovered. They're already dead and gone. With that, very talented musicians. That's why I'm so passionate about it. 
And it's so easy to intimidate other people. That's the New York Times, right? With a critic, right? Pulling out your Latin or whatever. And intimidate other people. You're stupid. You don't even know it. And I know. And I have the keys to the empire. And you don't. Well, we're liberating ourselves. And so it's a very, you hear the birds, it's a very joyful thing. So there's no control or controlled of those belligerent boys. They don't touch us. All those, what Vandana Shiva calls billionaire dictators, that's exactly what they are. destroying everything. But that doesn't touch us here, so we're bringing that together. And uh, so abstraction in the concrete abstraction cycle is always good. And it's always relative, and you pick it up and drop it in a moment, in a heartbeat. Nope, this isn't where we want to go. I need this for this work poem, novel, whatever, and um, pick it up and then drop it. The techniques are always co-evolving with the new discovery of energy and movement and creativity. Then you drop it and move on. And that's a kind of spiritual uh, yoga. You do it without forcing so that's spinning around. Can you feel the cycle, a circle, and then a circle that begins to turn, the circle and the square? And our cumbersome language, um, concrete abstraction. Know that in Western culture we put concrete where? At the bottom. And then abstraction's going to be at the top. And that is, to a certain degree, fitting the energy of our universal somatic concept constant, but we don't want to take that too far. So he, she is the measure of all things. And that from someone who's taking the earth and creativity is the measure of all things. Uh, but the reason why I say that is that um, what's gone wrong because of this breaking apart, not only not just, but in part because of the breaking apart of the concrete abstraction cycle. They go off on their own. So we have a very... It's a, there are thousands of people that do it, ensembles who specialize in it. Playing this highly, not complex... Notice that complex always is simplexity, without exception, in the whole of the universe. So when we're doing that in dance, that's what we're doing. But complicatedness is unnecessarily difficult, and it's frequently, deliberately. I just think of uh, North American politics. Deliberately difficult, how difficult they make it to do everything especially when it's 
concerning freedom and democracy and truth, deliberately. For generations that's been going on. Well, uh, art is not free of that. We've done exactly the same thing in the arts. And because we have no self-correction, what are we going to do? Well, you go off on a path that's a false path, an era path. See how that works? Era path. So we're looking at the little buzzies that are coming out now because of this intense heat. False era path. Well, we're, that's what we're looking at. That's what the liberation of rhythm and the liberation of sound is all about. And the liberation especially, it's a wider circle of musical thought. We don't hear music, we hear our map of music. New music begins in awareness of the map. So that awareness is doing philosophy. See how it becomes self-correcting? That doesn't mean you have the ultimate definitive map of all time and it shall never be different, like Schoenberg. Uh, no, we throw that out. It's worse than worthless and get it out of the way. It has nothing to do with the individual but the in energy which manifests through the in individual, which you and I are also a part of. So he, she is the measure of all things. Well, and so we have the complicatedness, and then we have the simple-minded kind of rhythmical movement that has dominated almost every single percussion ensemble on the planet that does classical, western, avant-garde, or whatever, experimental music. is very dominant. It wasn't uh, 30 years ago, but I saw it creep in as a kind of um, spotted napweed that's notorious invasive. It'll take over millions of acres. Let's find another one. Um, Medusa head increases by 12% a year. I wish my money did. 12% a year, not bad. These billionaires, they get better return than that. And, um, well, I would say that's not good. <laughs> that's a real invasive, and it has definitely a cause. Beef and barbed wire, overgrazing. And it will reverse itself, find a new harmony, but it will take uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years. We don't know. But it will take a while. <laughs> and um, Well, it's heartbreaking to see that happen because it's a tremendous impoverishment of what a human being can do. So it's like... Um, Ponder just a moment with me, Greek sculpture at the uh, at its apex, with the Parthenon 
and then the so-called uh, Elgin Marbles that uh, Lord Byron wrote a very moving poem about the outrage. Don't forget that he died as a Greek uh, revolutionary. He's considered a hero in Greece, but was outraged by the theft. Imagine that. One of the most beautiful, finely proportions, proportioned where energy meets form on the planet. And then the colonizer, these belligerent bullies, British, whomever, come in and just ax the thing and take it back. It, it, it's no longer, it's just a possession. Well, that happens in music, too. And it should be stopped in a nonviolent way. You simply put your body in front of the people doing the violence. And if enough of us, one, two, three, infinity do it, it stops. But if we don't, then, well, um, the British Museum is what you get. The Museum of Empire. The Dutch have that, the Germans have it. It's everywhere in Europe. They're pondering. Well, Concrete abstraction. Well, let's see, we're getting a little bit of wind. The wind has shifted coming up. Well, let me give you an example. And in the spirit, as I was saying, of being open, honest, and naked. So one of our main criteria of beauty and wholeness is how it resonates, not just fit, how it is in harmony, but deeper than that. Um, the universal somatic constant. Like everything a human being is based on the breath, does, is based on the breath. It's always been that way. And it's very beautiful. It's not a computer, right? And notice that we have increasingly, we shape the world and the world shapes us all at once have started to talk like computers. Let's not go into that now. But one of the first things to look for in observing our own speech is the relationship between sound and silence. When someone, without making it mechanical, but when someone, as a kind of yoga, Alexander technique, when someone is listening, there is a uh, perfect balance. The silence equals sound, and sound equals silence. I'll leave it in the middle. You figure it out. What am I referring to? Not on the page. That's why the page and notation can be so misleading. But in the rhythm of the human voice. I'm not that chipping sparrow. It has a different sense of time that's always related to the heartbeat. And when you break apart the uh, concrete abstraction cycle and begin to think just in mathematics or numbers or whatever, computers, or you become really simple-minded and just put thing, everything in 4-4 or whatever, like commercial music, then we lose 
that resonance with that, with that beauty of that Greek sculpture that's come totally alive. You see the movement of every muscle. You infer the movement, even though it's not moving, from every fold of the draping fa fabrics which might be covering a shoulder. It's very beautiful. So our music has become like just uh, either hopelessly balls of barbed wire, the complicatedness of notation, irrational numbers and all the rest of it so-called, and then the, the block of the minimalist. <laughs> of the simple-mindedness. That's not simplicity, right? Simplicity always goes together with complexity. Simplexity. So concrete abstraction. So what I was working on, the spirit of being, I'll do this very quickly, is um, a new piece. It comes from a miniature. Now listen to the natural speech rhythms. I'll do it in uh, double time. Let me remind myself here, stand like a tree, sit like a mountain, flow like a stream. It's the birthday of a new world for a thousand years. Do not give up this place. Well, this is a little miniature. Now we're throwing that into the uh, dance circle, let's call it, of talking hands, talking feet. Well, I'm working on that, so I happen to know the numbers. You can't do this stuff. I'm not conducting. I'm just doing it. Now that's natural. We call that natural uh, time, natural speech time. Very closely related. That's why I'm a real nut on not going, springing forward and falling back. You see... Listen to that very carefully. Let me remind myself here. You can do that in infinitely many ways if you're a native speaker. That's the joy of being born into the ocean of language. Let me remind. You see, it's, there's a movement that goes like a wave and then a slight splash. Remind. Let me remind myself here. And you, the inflection up and down. And notice that we can notate that. Like every single sound that I sang or just said has uh, what you call an absolute frequency. You can notate that. If you challenge me, I'll do it. <laughs> um, but it would be tying yourself into knots of barbed wire to do that. Why would you do it? It's totally irrelevant because we're making slides. It's both continuous and discrete. And even calculus has very... <laughs> Once you have more than two or three bodies doing that, sort of, it, it gets into a kind of complicatedness it can't deal with. And that's thought itself, is my contention. But intuitively, and that's maybe not the right word, but when you go beyond thought, you can do that. You can resonate with whatever. That's what the qualitative ground is. 
and notice there are, uh, let's put this down here, 39, can you still hear me? Are we getting too much wind? There are 39 steps. There are 39 steps. See, that's the directionality of sound. And if you remember in Talking Hands, Talking Feet, we do that qualitative ground relational resonance. That's a meta concept as well. Excuse me. So we do the square of 39, so that's 1,520 something. It's a lot. <laughs> and this is a challenge. So if you take all 39, and now you see what we're doing, I'm demonstrating the cycle of concrete abstraction. So what we're doing, we started with the concrete beyond, you see, concrete doesn't mean simple. It's not the concrete that you're walking on outside your apartment. It's beyond, um, it's infinitely beyond anything we can measure. And as we're going into abstraction, we're beginning to invite it, the circle, into the square, the house of measure. And we want to make sure there's a harmony between our way of measurement and that which is being measured. And that's not a one-shot deal. That's like tuning your lyre, as we say. We do it continuously. And sometimes you get it to work, and then you forget about it for a while. Then you pick it up again and forget about it for a while. So let me remind myself here. Let me remind myself here. That's uh, seven steps. Remember, step time. So we have natural time. Now, that cannot be notated in any kind of hyper-sophisticated, complex um, musical notation. I'm not going to talk about computers today. It would be interesting. But that cannot be notated. So that's a challenge. You can say, Cliff, yes, you can do that. Huh. <laughs> okay. Try it. And what we're doing in Talking Hands, Talking Feet, of course, we're studying the text, right? So it's got to be, for me, that's an important text. And then you have to find something that you resonate with. If it's not true in your heart of hearts, stop doing it because it will never be worth anything. It will never give you life energy and love, which are, again, just two ways of saying the same thing. So let me remind myself here, so we take it out of natural time, non-violently, so we're not hurting it, and putting it into step time let me remind myself here. But we're not bringing it into song, sing song, song, sing, sing, song, um, music yet. And maybe we won't even do that this morning. So let me remind myself. And then we put it into step time. 
let me remind myself here. And I'm doing the yang style, yang style. That means just beats. Undifferentiated beats. So if I were dancing it, I'm sitting now, but if I was, I do this dancing too. I mean, it's not meant to be seen me dancing, but you could. You could work with a dance group. I don't know, we, uh, I featured um, the great uh, Joffrey uh, Ballet uh, reconstruction of uh, the Sacra, the Rite of Spring. And don't forget the Rite of Spring is not just Igor. He took all the credit, right? As he perhaps, he did not that he wasn't deserving, but Nijinsky, the great Russian uh, ballet dancer, he almost destroyed, perhaps he did destroy himself doing that piece. And forever afterwards, Stravinsky made, this is our anecdote, so we're almost at the close of this, uh, Stravinsky forever afterwards insisted that he didn't want to have the dance and the music be synchronous. <laughs> so after he started doing ballet again, this is almost around World War II, much later, there was a hiatus because of the lack of money and energy and whatnot. And then when they picked up ballet again, he was doing it with the... He was a... a Balanchine was a very young dancer, not in the Rite of Spring, but later... He worked with Diaghilev, too, if I remember correctly. But that was an incredible performance collective that we hardly know anything about. But Ninjinsky um, went uh, totally, I don't know what the right word is, he left uh, the earth-bound realm spiritually, but uh, didn't uh, uh, continue to live for decades. But that was the last great um, ballet uh, that he... Um, choreographed, they say. And it was meant to be synchronized. And if you really, that means coming from the earth, that rhythm, and is vastly more powerful. If so, I think Stravinsky was definitely wrong. And somebody out there who has the means, it's got to be demonstrated. But look at the Joffrey Ballet Reconstruction and you'll get an idea of what I mean. They do a really excellent job. But anyway, um, concrete abstraction. So that becomes more and more, and notice that we're counting it now. And why we're counting it, so we go, um, what's the next phrase? Do you remember? Let me remind myself here. It's very beautiful. I happen to be sitting in an infinitely complex ecotone. I'm sitting in the simple part. Without the open meadow, the ecotone would have no meaning. The ecotone is where the infinitely complex conifer forests, so there are white and grand fir, larches, ponderosa pine, dug fir, and then all the uh, various uh, willers, willows, they're dioecious. The, not quite the hawthorns that we were talking about the other day. They're in the meadow. But it makes for, uh, I don't like that word so much, habitat, N niches, niches, little nests. That means little places like where I'm sitting right now. This protected, shielded a little bit with a marvelous view to the southeast. Um, 
Well, that's a human circle of nature, harmonious measure. Well, that's what we're looking for in our music. So let me remind myself here, and then we straighten it out in step time. Remind myself here, stand like a tree. So that's four. Sit like a mountain. That's what I'm doing right now. So like in the AT, Alexander Technique said, you, you sit on your bones. You're not using your muscles. So you can sit like this for all day. Like when you see every culture except the, uh, the pyramid culture. The Chinese have a pyramid too, but it's not the same. It's also both creative and... I think it has more creativity in it than the Western pyramid. But we're doing a holigarchy, ha- ha- so we're thinking more in circles and movement. And you don't dominate ever. You simply move, participate, resonate with the whole. So there's a radical equality that's very joyful and liberating. And at a certain moment, one dancer. Like in the great rite of spring, might dance herself to death. Think of that. If you've ever sat in the middle of that energy of the rite of spring, It's one thing to participate as a listener, but as a dancer, as a performer, that sound. It changes every bit of your being. It's timeless. It's very powerful. So we're bringing that back, liberating it. And we're sitting, sit like a mountain, that's five. And notice in simple, um, natural, sit like a mountain. And notice that, remember we were talking about continuous, discrete? You see those beats are sliding. They're not... Sit like a mountain. <laughs> you can turn it into that. And we are. We're, we're heading in. That's, that's where we're going to stop. So we're going from concrete to abstraction. We're not trying to put it into those patterns of five. We're not going to do that this time. So we're just doing the Yang Beach. You want to keep on reversing left and right. Left, right, left, right to balance it. And then flow like a stream. So it's very simple, just in threes. And we're meditating on what it is to bring the balance of nature into that balance of the universal somatic constant of man as the measure of all things. That if it doesn't resonate with our breath, with our bipedal movement, of running, walking, um, sitting like this, getting up and moving. 
Like you see in Bahrain, what a privilege to write uh, Bahrain. I would give anything to be able to do that. That, uh, but these are inauspicious times. So I'm perfectly happy to be sitting here at Heartbreak Meadow. Sit like a mountain, flow like a stream. And that pause is everything. Stand. Sit. Flow. So there's nothing original in this. It could be coming straight out of the great Tao Te Ching. Only 5,000 characters. So I got to get to work. But uh, the Tao Te Ching is not the widest circle. I think there are wider circles beyond that. So let me remind myself here. Can you straighten it out? And then can you hear it? You see, that's this mysterious thing that everything becomes... The only way to develop your inner voice is through movement and song and speaking, and that becomes internalized. If you were to come into the world, like, say, the great European blackbird, the Merula, um, if it grows up in a cage, heaven forbid, in uh, Boston or wherever, without uh, adults' uh, spiritual excellence being surrounded by that, it won't learn how to sing. So let that sink in. Who are you around? Who am I around? to inspire me. Well, Mother Earth, can you hear the sound of that living water, the birds and the ecotone? Each one has its own niche. And notice it's not paying anything to the belligerent bully for rent, nor to that billionaire dictator, Vandana Shiva's uh, dictator. It's totally free. They have much better lives than we do. So we're attuning to that and honoring them. There's a little robin taking care of his little piece of the pie. Well, then it goes on, right? In step time. It's the birthday of a new world. And then you straighten it out. You see, it might not be obvious why we're straightening it out. That's because we're abstracting some sort of musical essence from the text while still staying true to the meaning. And then it rounds its cycle in 11 steps for a thousand years. I'm honoring Robert Bly there. For a thousand years, do not give up this place. How many ways, different ways can you say that? And you're looking at your audience, right? I'm looking at my circle of life. You project the energy with your yoga, with your eyes, with your hands. That's why it, when you're using music as a performer, or reading from a book, novelist or poet or whatever, you're still 
practicing. You can't communicate with your we're getting too many flies here, audience. So let's wrap this up. So that's thirty-nine steps. Now let's see, um I gotta put this down now maybe I can do it like this. Um so we're, I'm I'm with a piece I'm working on. We're getting too much wind too. So that will be put in what's called a dance circle. And if you want to hear what a dance circle sounds like, listen to, uh, it's a recent piece, it's called Trinity. It should be easy to remember, three. And uh, just on SoundCloud. And that ends with a wonderful dance circle, I think. And it begins with the same movements of that dance circle uh, played uh, so the complementary played uh, in asynchrony. So like th you, they're like dancers warming up in a space. So you have 20 dancers, they're all doing, you know, those warm-ups and yoga that they do. And uh, then they gradually come together and at the end, boy, it really comes together. And of course we're talking about something very um, profound in a way. It's when human beings as a spiritual being went totally wrong. Talk about Path with Robert Oppenheimer and that uh, horrifying Manhattan Project. We're not going to go into it. We could. The ethics of that. The very moment that I would say if there are angels they were all crying the moment 5.30 a.m. out in the desert sand when they uh, imploded the gadget and it worked. 1945, July the 16th. So from that's where I put my golden spike, by the way, for what's now called the age of man-woman, woman-man. Doesn't sound right now, the age of woman doesn't sound right. The uh, Anthropocene, Anthropocene. See, the British will fight it for the next 500 years of uh, how, how to pronounce that. But don't matter. And uh, the age of man, that's where I put, that's where it begins. And uh, we'll be able to, 5,000 years from now or any time, be able to dig down that layer with all the nucleotides and see when exactly that happened. On a glacier, you can already do it. You dig down, whoop, that's 1945. Because you'll have that radioactive layer. Think of that. So 39 steps. Well, if you put them all together in a constant um, uh, rhythm, the way it's in that dance circle for that piece. It's a much more complex one there, longer. Uh, but you can listen to the thing, how it evolves in a creative way. And if you're interested in synchrony, asynchrony, in its deepest sense, like there are composers out there that specialize in asynchrony, and I think they miss, in a way, they're wonderful people, but they miss the whole point of the thing. That synchrony, asynchrony without synchrony is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. 
what is beautiful is when it becomes a cycle. Then it goes beyond the great Charles Ives. Everything that Ives did with multiple orchestras going on at the same time is what we did with that other talking hands. Bumpy, 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 bump, 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 bump. Do you remember that one? Four or five. Um, they all share a deeper countermeasure. But Trinity is has a common measure, but it's much more like all these birds up here. It's very natural. Just watch people walking around in the street. There's a common measure, but it's infinitely beyond what we notate in um, a, a fixed measure. So we're going from concrete to abstract. Now we'll take it to one more level of abstraction and we'll stop there so listen to this see if i can do it because this is new so i'm just practicing live here open honest naked direct one two one two three four five six seven one two one two three four one two one two three four five one two one two three four one two one two three four five six seven eight one two four five six seven eight nine ten eleven one two one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You see, I just hit a cycle. Did you hear that? You probably can't. Back it up and listen to it again. Well, I didn't miss a beat. Now slow it down a little bit. And then that will be the feat of dancers. And of course, I'm doing it with computers because I'm, I'm going to make the computers dance better than I could get them to dance in Portland or Seattle. And that's only because there's no money and time and energy. Um, but we're, we're going to get those computers dancing. We're not quite working with robots yet. But uh, that's the age of the Anthropocene where robots are more human than the president itself. <laughs> Himself. They are. If you haven't listened to it, and I'll end with that, There's, uh, I should do more. That uh, I have a series when I need to laugh up here. It's called Crow and Coyote. And... Uh, one of the best ones I did was that wonderful uh, Hitchbot. So this is our Indian anecdote. Listen to that. And Hitchbot, if you don't know, was the computer robot, a very simple one, but in, in, in talking about he, she is the measure of all things, it's very endearing. See, it's the difference between apples and apple and windows, that it's a very human measured operating system. Whereas Windows is made for, in all due respect, is made for, there's no concrete, it takes it uh, and pushes that abstraction right into your face as a belligerent bully. And it's designed so that there'll be viruses everywhere. And then the billionaire dictator at the top, well, he says, you poor suckers, I've just made another $50 billion. And we keep using the same that should have been defunct a long time ago. But anyway, a hitchbot was very endearing, and perhaps it, he still exists, but uh, he hitchhiked. So you just put, imagine putting the robot out on the highway all the way on the east coast of Canada, Newfoundland, and hitched all the way to British Columbia and made it whole. And people would simply stop, put him, he, she, it, into the passenger seat, talk to it. It could edit a limited vocabulary. And, of course, it was just imitating love and intelligence. But we're in a world that is so belligerently uh, uh, ignorant everywhere. 
like what I call red hat, brown shirt, attack dog culture, that, well, these loving computers become very endearing. And he, she, it made it, Hitchbot made it all the way across Canada. And I think it made a tour of, of uh, Germany. And then a year or so later, they put it somewhere on the east coast of North America, and it was destroyed by the time it hit Philadelphia. <laughs> and I did a piece to honor the people who made the Hitchbot, the real programmers. It's a brilliant idea. It becomes a mirror for our own, uh, um, well, that we are the measure of all things in a way. It's very beautiful. And don't forget, I'm up here for the living circle, not for any particular culture. And um, I did a thing that uh, Hitchbot for president, and I'm dead serious. We would be much better off with a computer for president than what we have now or any candidate on the foreseeable horizon. Reb Dim, Dim Reb, any of them, of the past 50 years. <laughs> and 50 years into the future, we'd be much better with Hitchbot. And it only has one line of code of what it cannot do. So it's pure yoga Alexander technique. No force, no unnecessary tension. And you know what its only rule, what would you put for its only rule? No war. Hmm. No war. Think of that. Okay, there's a lot more to do, but we better stop for now. Um, so to sum up, concrete abstraction cycle. And that could be a whole book if you're looking for a monograph. And it's not just music or poetry or dance. It has to do with all music. And then you got to... This isn't psychology. It's much deeper than that, in my view. So you're doing the proprioception, as Bohm called it. This is an ugly word. But you're doing awareness of thought. And you're looking how thought measures. And especially you're doing your Pantanjali, ancient yoga. You're, through observation, thought stops. That's not enlightenment. But thought does stop. And you begin to look at measure without tying yourself up in knots like they do at universities and conservatories. And liberation is a movement of negation, first and foremost. And then where it takes us, that's the wilderness, the pathless land the unknown. Okay, check out check out that piece. Trinity. It's a very uh, eerie piece. A lot of listeners listen to it in Japan. It's a wish, a prayer, that we could get people to listen to it at Hanford. That's only about 200 kilometers as the 
crow and cry old coyote why we gotta laugh a little bit where they made the plutonium for the Nagasaki bomb and 60,000 more Nagasaki bombs it's only 200 kilometers from here it'll never be cleaned up they spend two billion dollars a year. It'll never be it's the fire. Like Michael Madsen into eternity. Watch that film. So a lot of homework. Watch that film. That'll never be cleaned up. In the piece Trinity SoundCloud. This is Cliff Grigo. Signing off. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now.